decide under no circumstances will we ever talk about it again. So you have 95% of the media, you could have them be Jesse James and walk into the bank with a gun, hold them up, give me all your money, and they won't talk about it. And it's hard to have a scandal if they don't talk about it. Other than the New York Post and people like Sean Hannity and people like Laura and Tucker's doing good. I like Tucker lately. And our friends in the morning, and I tell you, we have some great new people. OAN, Newsmax, and Judge Janine, she's on, right? She's on tonight. And Jesse Waters is great, and Pete Hexa. And I'm in trouble because I don't mention everybody, but we have, uh, we have great people. We have a great voice, but the fact is, most of the press was, it was suppressed so that no matter what, they wouldn't talk. And it was incredible. And I have to give a lot of credit to Carl Allen and the New York Post for what they did because they went out and they fought them and they fought them hard. <laughs> Oldest paper in America, fourth or fifth biggest, and they should be very proud of themselves. But we're doing the same thing. These two incredible people are doing the same thing. We fight. If you don't get out and vote, they are going to win. Now Ossoff, who is Harry Potter himself. It's way better to get out and vote for those, even though they're kind of compromised Republicans. They're certainly better than the alternative. You're looking at absolute gun-grabbing, baby-butchering monstrosities in the other two. You're looking at Antifa-loving, BLM-loving lunatics. So it's way better off having Loeffler and Purdue. And overall, they're conservative, and they vote conservative and have voted for Trump and have obviously supported Trump. They're not flawed. They're, you know, they're deep state people. And that the Republican Party right now, it, it includes old members of the old party and the new, the new party. I'm old and new. I've just transformed more into the new, into the new, the Trumpsters. And Trump isn't even about Trump. He's about somebody who do, actually does what he says he's going to do. I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to build it. I'm going to move the embassy. I'm going to move it. I'm going to, I'm going to lower taxes and I do it. I'm going to restrict regulation and I do it. I'm gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be the best economy you've ever seen, and it was. I'm going to fund the military, and he did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make China answer for all of their economic uh, corruption, and he did. So, I mean, that's the, that's the new style. That's why the deep state and the globalists are after him. All right, starting right off tonight, as always. Right now, as always, until it changes, we're going to confront the two-pronged attack that's come against the conservative movement, primarily come against the church, what happened, this two-pronged attack, COVID, the COVID, ridiculous COVID response to a 99.9% survivable virus. It's an absolute, the response is an absolute hoax. No church should have ever closed. No church should have ever social distanced. No church should have ever put out an alcohol gel station. No church should have done any mitigations whatsoever. It's an absolute hoax. No Christian should be wearing a mask. None, zero should be wearing a mask. So we're going to attack the attack itself. We're being attacked by a two-pronged attack, which is the response to the COVID-19 virus. It's not the virus itself. If everybody was really scared of it, they wouldn't be out with it. They wouldn't be in Walmart right now. They wouldn't be out out and about, even driving around alone in their cars with masks on. You think people did that with a bubonic plague around? Absolutely not. 
People just are looking for meaning in their lives. People are looking for a cause. That's all that it is. But the two-pronged attack is the response to COVID-19 and fraud in the elections. It's a two-pronged. The fraud in the elections comes from the Democratic Party and it comes from the globalists. That's what it's two. It's, it's not one or the other. It's both. All right, Dr. Kelly Ward tweet. The 2020 election was non-transparent by force. Get that first sentence. The 2020 election was non-transparent by force. Bullying to cheat. Stop the steal. Play the video for me. Everybody looking for these you know, little bits of evidence of whether this election was stolen or not. It's complete misdirection. You don't need evidence if bullies chase down the witnesses. You're not letting me in? Let me say that again. Bullies chased out witnesses in the key cities. So keep that, that fact, just as one little fact. Bullies chased out witnesses to the vote count. Uh, majority inspector threatened to slap me in the face. If you're telling us to leave, we will leave. Yes. Okay. Sergeant, we will leave. Okay. They let us in. They will not have Now they put a cardboard over the windows. They put cardboard over the windows? Will you let them in? Every fing thing you say after that doesn't matter. All that matters is it was non transparent by force. And if you allow yourself to imagine the other stuff matters, you are victim of misinformation and misdirection. All right, back to me. So what's he talking about there? It's very simple. Every single precinct that that occurred in, and this, of course, occurred in the five-pronged attack, which was Milwaukee, by name Mall, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Detroit. That's... The only places that Joe Biden performed above Hillary Clinton. In every other metropolitan area in the country, he performed underneath Hillary Clinton. Underneath. Joe Biden won 17% of the counties in America. Everybody get that? 17%. 83% of the counties in America were won by Donald John Trump. 17% Biden won. That is the lowest in history. No president in history has ever won the country while only winning 17% of the counties. So you have the five-pronged attack, those cities. That's the only metropolitan areas that Joe Biden overperformed Hillary Clinton. And all, get that now, the three-letter word, and all other metropolitan areas in the county, in the, in the country. He underperformed Hillary. He underperformed Hillary in Los Angeles, in Houston, in Chicago, in L.A., in New York, and yet somehow won this election. He's the first one that's won the presidency since 1960. That lost Florida and Ohio. This is a complete sham, just like COVID-19. Tommy, you talk like they're the same. They are the same. The sham of the fraudulent election was ushered in by the response to COVID-19. Oh, nobody can come and vote. It's a dire threat to your life if you're 32 years old to go into a polling place and pull a lever and vote. It's a dire threat. You might catch the COVID. Yeah, 70% of the people who catch COVID never even know they have it. 
And 32, what are the odds of dying? If you're 32 years old and you catch COVID, you get a full-blown infection of COVID. What's your odds of survival? Ready? 99.98 chance of survival. Basically 100%. And yet they use that to keep Republicans out of the polling place. Oh, we're filled. We're at COVID capacity. Yeah, but there's 37 Democrats in there and there's only one Republican. That doesn't matter. It's COVID capacity. So all the votes where vote where poll were conservative slash Republican poll watchers or neutral poll watchers were removed. Every single one of those precincts, the every vote that was counted in those precincts is invalid, is a fraudulent vote and should be immediately taken out of the count and deemed illegal. Because you know why? You know why I say to deem it illegal? Because it's illegal. If a vote was not observed by the Republican and a Democrat, by a Democrat and a Republican, it's illegal. Simple as that. Yeah, but you'll dan- disenfranchise voters. Who cares? It's illegal. That's what, listen, that's what the leaders did. They can answer for it. That's what the poll foremans did, the people that were in charge of those, you know, the, uh, the poll supervisors, I don't know their official name. That's their decision. They kicked them out. They boarded up the windows. They cheered and applauded when Republicans were kicked out. Every vote in that precinct is out. And I'm talking the TCF Center in Detroit. I'm talking about in Philadelphia. I'm talking about in Atlanta. We'll get deep into Atlanta tonight. And one little thing I want to address from that video. You saw that one Republican go, if you want us to go, we'll go. That's the problem. That's the You know, God bless the guy for serving. I appreciate it. But because you're told to leave does not mean you have to leave. Next election, ever, we're going to win this one. I'm not, I am not at all conceding this election whatsoever and going to the next one. I don't do that. I do not concede. I win or I lose. I do not concede, period, ever. So in the next election, every single Republican who's a poll watcher, you need to be lifted weights, get bigger, whatever it is, get in shape, laminate, the Constitution, laminate your electoral rules, which is that you cannot be removed. I don't care if the police come up and tell you that you have to go. They cannot do that. It's time to stand up to the cops too. And I was a cop, 25 years a cop, 1992 to 2017. I love the police, but there are there is a segment of the police, there is a percentage of the police right now that are operating in an unconstitutional manner. And I am not in favor of those cops. I choose sides and I go case by case. It's not all cops are right all the time. You'll never hear me say that. I go case by case. Is the cop operating constitutionally? Any cop that's removing Republican poll watchers from a poll site is operating in an unconstitutional manner. And I am against him doing that. And I'm against that cop. Simple as that. And that cop has no balls, no, none, no courage whatsoever. You ought to know the law and you ought to enforce the law. All right, next up, pick from uh, some Nevada stats. Put that up there for me. There you go. Election breakdown. This is from OWN. One American News. Election breakdown. There you go. Nevada. People want numbers. Here they are. Nevada. Biden plus 33,000 votes. Dead. That's what so far which is all we all we know is a fraud completely. No, allegedly, Biden is up by 33 votes in Nevada. Well, let's break down the numbers. 
Dead voters, 1,500. Changed addresses. You like that? That's not that's not illegal. Yes, it is, unless you do it 30 days out, which is why they're talking about it here. This wasn't done in the proper time frame. So those are all ineligible voters. Those are all those ballots are all not legal. Vacant addresses, 6,000. Non-existent. Hey, there you go. Non-existent voter that voted, 8,000. Commercial. Uh, people that registered their addresses as commercial, that's illegal. 15,000 out of state, 20,000. You can't vote out of state. Double voting, that's not an absentee ballot from out of state. Those are people who no longer live in the state. 20,000 of them voted double voting, 42,000 for a grand total of 95,000, all of which went for Biden. All of them, put that back up there. Yeah, put that, yeah, all that 95,000 went for Biden. We all know it's true. 95,000. So with Biden being up 33,000 votes, what's the real total? The real total is Donald J. Trump won, uh, won Nevada. All right, next up, Aaron. Thank you. Next one. There you go. Pennsylvania and, well, numerous states. Biden plus 81,000 votes. Well, how many fraudulent votes for sure are in Pennsylvania? 121,000 all for Biden in Wisconsin. And that's just what that's actually not accurate. In Pennsylvania, there's way more. There's hundreds of thousands, six to 800,000, but we'll just go with that for now. Wisconsin, Biden plus 20,000 votes, fraudulent votes, uh, just 200,000. Arizona, Biden's winning allegedly by 10,000 votes. Fraudulent votes, 300,000. Michigan, Biden plus 159,000 votes. So just there's only 548 fraudulent votes though. So who's really winning those states? That's all facts. What, What does that mean, fraudulent votes? That's some sort of conspiracy that I just think they're fraudulent. No, that has to do with as simple as this. Either they're absolute fraudulent votes, you know, where some Mickey Mouse voted, or the vote is illegal because there was nobody watching anybody tally the vote. It really is that way, everybody. Understand that. The moment that you can prove there was no observation of a counted ballot, it is invalid. It is now illegal. That's an absolute fact. It is in all state laws throughout the country. All right, Kenakoa tweet out of Georgia. Here you go. Georgia, allegedly, Biden's up by like 12,000 votes in Georgia. Well, is he really? Well, because 2,506 felons voted for Joe Biden. 666,000, I mean, 66,248 underage registered. Those are all, those are people that voted. Probably all for Biden under Stacey Abrams' program. So you can kick out 66,000 votes, 68,000 so far. Now 70,000 we can kick out that voted without registration. Uh, 1,000 address at, uh, there's 1,000 people that voted whose address is the post office. Four, almost 5,000 registered late. Those are all now illegal ballots. 10,315 dead people voted. There's the margin for Biden right there already gone, let alone the rest of them. 395 cast ballots in another state. Those are illegal every time and in both states. 15,700 filed national change of address. Those are all illegal. 40,279 moved, and they have signed 100 and plus affidavits to verify that all of this is true. You really, you really think it's conspiracy theory? Absolutely not. Donald Trump won Georgia by, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 400,000 votes the way that he won Florida. Simple as that. Philip Klein tweet. The only electoral... Now get these dates. I want you all to understand this because you're going to keep hearing, we got to have all this done by the 8th of December. If not the 8th and the 14th, that's all bull crap. 
That is seven, those are 72 year old federal statutes that are easily challengeable in court, probably set for when the, when you have to bring the cows home from 70, 80 years ago, when the sunset and the crops had to be, you know, brought in. And when the cows had to be brought in, when you needed to pee on the fire and call the dogs, that's when that law was actually put in place. The only, the only, I'll put it back up there. I'll read it to everybody. The only electoral college deadline specifically required by the Constitution is noon on January 20th. So we've got plenty of time. At which point, put it back up there, at which point Trump's first term officially ends. Now I'll read the bottom part. All other deadlines, the safe harbor deadline of December 8th, the electoral college voting on December 14th, and even the congressional vote on January 6th are dates set by federal law, not the Constitution. Therefore, you can challenge those things, and they will be challenged if needed. All right, Rudy Rudy Giuliani tweet. Are we going to let Democrats, this is right here, Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, are we going to let Democrats steal the election in front of our faces if we can't stand up to the pressure of saving our country from rampant voter fraud because we are afraid of the elite reaction? We better find more courageous people for our party. Absolutely correct, Grant Stitchfield. This is a total game changer. Sure, it looks like ballot stuffing in Georgia, all caught on camera. Play it for me. 8 o'clock in the morning. There we go. This is the video. I know everybody's seen it, but I'm using this to set up the next video. So watch closely. So everybody's been set home, right? Everybody's been set home because of a water main break. So lo and behold, the only people that didn't go home were the Democrats, namely a woman with the blonde hair, and the it's a black female, blonde hair, purple shirt, and uh, right there to your far left, her name's Ruby, Ruby Freeman, actually, that's her name. And everybody was sent home, and they had set up that table earlier in the night, and it has a cover over it, and they look at them pull out all the ballot boxes. from This is, at, remember now, we have to stop all voting. Because we have a water main break. So all the Republicans were sent home and all the Democrats sat there for well over an hour, completely and totally unsupervised with multiple vote counting machines that can count 3,000 votes an hour, multiple counting machines. All right, Jim Hoff tweet. We're going deeper on this now. Stay with me. What's up, Ruby? Breaking crooked Democrat film pulling out suitcases about in Georgia is identified. There she is, Ruby Freeman. This was during, of course, the water main break. All right, but get the next uh, Kenneco tweet up for me. Oh, that's Ruby. Yeah, still a couple pictures. There's Ruby. All right, very corrupt person working in the polls, all working for Joe Biden. All right, Kenneco tweet, Georgia. So not only did election officials lie about a pipe burst, send observers away, pull out hidden ballots and continue counting in secret, but they also scanned the same stack of ballots three times in a row. Play the video for me. Watch her now. Watch Ruby, a stack of ballots for the first time. Look at her stack them. There we go. There we go. She removes them. Now, this is the same stack. Same stack of ballots being counted a second time through the machine. She's never changed. Watch. Gets them out. Let me dance around a little bit. Put them back on the desk. Watch. Right back in the machine. Watch. Here it comes. Here it comes. She acts like she's actually doing work. Puts them back in again. <laughs> and you think, you think Joe Biden won. And this is completely, you sit there on a videotape and you watch a Democratic hack poll worker 
shove ballots into a machine three times and the democratic controlled Goebbels media won't even report on this that video is nowhere it's nowhere on cnn it's nowhere on msnbc nothing that woman counted the same stack of ballots three times and that's just one person at one table And those are the ballots that were pulled out from under the table after the water main break. Under the table, under the table cloth so nobody could see them, send out the Republicans, pull out the votes, and then send them through the machine at least three times. Who knows how many times they were sent through? I guarantee you, it was probably a stack of a thousand, all for Biden, run through time after time after time after time. Trump won Georgia by 500,000 votes. It's three to 500,000. That's exactly what happened. That's all that happened, folks. It's right there on videotape. All right, Fox News, kill me video. This is on Raffensperger. This is some fascinating stuff. He might actually have to start waking up pretty soon. Play the video for me. Here's something that came to our house yesterday. We got three of them, all from the same organization. And it's to my son, Brenton J. Raffensperger, who passed away two years ago. Wow, Georgia Secretary of State launching an investigation into voter groups suspected of trying to register deceased Nevada state voters ahead of the state's Senate runoffs, which is going to take place January 5th. One of the groups under investigation, the new Georgia project, was uh, Stacey Abrams is uh, a key person in, and chaired by the Senate candidate Raphael Warnock. Here with more is Alana Goodman. She's the senior investigative reporter for the Washington Free Beacon. So this is interesting, Alana. Now suddenly the, the Secretary of State, who's a Republican, is interested in voter fraud in his state. Yeah, I think that he has been under a lot of pressure. I think uh, Georgia voters are very concerned about voter fraud, obviously, as we saw yesterday with the Sidney Powell rally when many Georgians showed up. Um, you know, they've been voicing their concerns. And so the governor ha- has to do something. And his secretary of state announced earlier this week that they are looking into four groups. One of these is the New Georgia Project for uh, voter registration. Um, irregularities and potential legal violations. Uh, This group, the New Georgia Project, was where uh, Raphael Warnock, who's running for the Senate, was CEO until earlier this year. So this could pose a big problem for Raphael Warnock in a state where voter fraud is a major concern. Yeah, I guess so. It's a major concern now. But be, and there was a there was a problem during the governor's race. Obviously, Stacey Abrams still has admitted that she did lose. Uh, there's three organizations they're looking into: the New Georgia Project, which was founded by Abrams, the America Votes, and Vote Forward. Uh, there are 23 investigators working on 250 open investigations and they could be looking at a felony or $100,000 fine. Where do you think this is going to go or is this just a brushback pitch? Um, I think that the I think that the Kemp administration really does have to answer questions about what specifically they're looking into on this and when these um, when the New Georgia project was registering these voters out of state illegally, which could rise to the level of a felony in the state, because Warnock was there until earlier this year. I mean, he was serving as CEO from 2017 until this past February. So was he there when these incidents took place? Uh, I think that the Secretary of State's office should definitely step up and respond to that. Um, We have reached out to them 
uh, for more information and so far they have not wanted to comment further than what they've already said on this publicly. Uh, I also want to note, I mean, this New Georgia project, they were under investigation previously too, back in 2014 for filing, allegedly filing uh, over 200 fraudulent ballots. And so this is not the first time that the group has had these issues and Warnock right, has been involved. All right, there you go. So you have Raff, Brad Raffensperger. He gets finally wakes up, at least to some extent, who knows how much. You never know. You can't really trust these wormy statist Republicans anymore that you can trust Democrats, although you always just kind of hope they turn around. Well, lo and behold, he gets fraudulent stuff sent to his house. Stacey Abrams, the loser of the gubernatorial race a couple years ago, she, under this uh, new Georgia project, has been caught, really, registering voters out of state. We saw, I ran the list for you earlier. I believe it was like, I don't know, 20,000 or something from out of state. Uh, chaired by the current senatorial candidate, Raphael Warnock. He just stopped being the chairman a short time ago when he ran for Senate. And this same outfit has been caught for filing 20, 200 fraudulent votes, which means they actually were filed a whole lot more and only got caught with 200, filing fraudulent votes in 2014. See, the problem is, is that Republicans are in control of the state and have been for years and don't do a daggum thing about any of this stuff because they're afraid of being called a racist. Get in there. Do something about it. Now, shifting this, I'm shifting on to COVID for a minute. This is the the best tweet of the day. This is from America's Evangelist, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. That's my name for him, America's Evangelist. And he said here, this is uh, Tony Perkins puts out this tweet. If you're going to put this out, then you're open to ridicule, which is what's going to happen to you now, Tony. Love to see this. It's talking about COVID. Groups are gathering around the country on Sunday, December 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern to sing Christmas carols. In response, oh, how lovely, to sing Christmas carols, to government officials issuing orders, reference what we can and cannot do in our own homes to celebrate the holidays. Okay, that's great. Jonathan Shuttlesworth responded to him. But you're the guy in March who said pastors that defied gov- government church closures, closer, closures were attention-seeking grandstanders, right? What changed? Exactly. Exactly. A lot of this is the pastors are coming out now. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. You never repented of your original. It's not real sin, but your original sin of closing your churches. You're the reason we are in the mess we are in now. You're the reason why Donald Trump on paper only fraudulent paper, stinking, rotting Democratic Party paper lost, lost the election. Because you caved and then they just gave the Democratic Party license to run throughout the country and do whatever the heck they wanted to do. And now you're, you're sitting there going, we're going to gather on December 6th and we're going to sing Christmas carols. That's your stand? That's your stand? How about keeping your church open, you coward? All right, Dave Rubin tweeting, this is the consequences of this COVID crap. And he's absolutely right. This is a little old now. This this thing went absolutely viral. So I'm sure you saw it, but I want to scream at you about it anyway. All right, this is sick. Can someone get me in touch with her? Bar owner in Los Angeles, California, Jake Coco, tweet on the bottom, is livid to see that Mayor Garcetti has approved an outdoor dining area for a movie company directly across from her outdoor dining area, which was shut down. Play the video for me. So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today because I'm organizing a protest and I came in to get 
stuff for that. And I walk into my parking lot and obviously Mayor Garcetti has approved this. Has approved this being set up for this being set up for for a movie company. I'm losing everything. Everything I own is being taken away from me. And they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. And people wonder why I'm protesting and why I have had enough. <laughs> they have not given us money and they have shut us down. We cannot survive. My staff cannot survive. Look at this. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, that's safe. This is safe, 50 feet away. This is dangerous. Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. Can I bring it back to me? So here's the thing. All you virtue signaling mask wearers, are you willing to lose your job for all this? You're, you're like, do anything to save a life, right? That you? Is that, is that, are you willing to do that? See, most of you virtue signaling mask wearing quarantine super moms you're not willing to sacrifice a freaking thing nothing if this landed on your doorstep at the height of corona we had 21 percent, 21 to 25 percent unemployment if this landed on your doorstep you'd knock it off and you'd want you'd be like her and here's the thing she probably capitulated at first I feel sorry for her because she's crying and she's a girl. I do. I feel sorry for her. But she caved to begin with. Nobody should have ever caved to this crap. And this is what you get is Gavin Newsom running wild. But all you people and you pastors that have closed your churches, you sit there and you think that you are so virtuous and you're putting out your virtue to everybody. Look at me. I care about lives. You wouldn't. You, if this landed on your doorstep, you'd be the first to cry about it. You won't give up your job. All the pastors that closed their churches. Let's look at pastor unemployment rates since COVID. Uh, 0.0. All the pastors took CARES money, paid their staffs, and closed their churches while all the people around them lost their jobs. But yet they're so virtuous. They start up their food pantries, feed their starving churches because of the unemployment they caused. Would you be willing to lose your job? Stop demanding that other people do it then. If you're not willing to do it, you know you're not. Shoot, most of you, if you couldn't get your cafe latte every day, you'd take the mark of the beast. All right, the Hill tweet. Viral moment. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy calls Representative Matt Gates, Matt Putz. What a fool, uh, Murphy says. Yeah, says the stupidest man on the planet. I hope you're watching, Matt. 
You're not welcome in New Jersey. And frankly, I don't ever want you back in the state. You don't have any say in that old Philly. Play the video for me. That guy in the middle, the tall, handsome fellow in the gray suit, that is Representative Matt Putz. Oh, sorry, Matt Gates. Uh, and based on his past performances, it is obvious being a knucklehead is not beyond the pale for him. He was actually Sarah Palin's backup act for this event. Now, if you go to the next uh, kind of a scene, that's Matt again earlier this year. Kind of a scene out of Dr. Strangelove. Uh, what a fool. Uh, he and they should be ashamed of themselves. He is not welcome. I hope you're watching, Matt. You are not welcome in New Jersey, and you frankly, say, I don't Philly. ever want you back in this state. Sorry, Philly. Now, to be Come sure, to Pat knows this Jersey City law enforcement is currently investigating this matter, and we will assist their investigation in any way necessary and take action as appropriate. Good job. Good job, capitulating Christians. Nice job. Now you got governors who feel like they have the right to involve law enforcement in an investigation of Republican Matt Gates at a party standing there smiling. That's now against the law in New Jersey. Great job. All I really feel your virtue as you're wearing your mask. I, I really, really feel your virtue just coming off of you. It's really changing my life. You know what I look at every single person? Who are, and I'm not talking about those of you that are forced to wear them at work, forced to wear them for your eye appointments and dental appointments. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the volunteer morons that drive around and walk around alone with their stupid masks on. Great job. I, I hope that, you, again, if this kind of crap landed on your doorstep, you'd knock it off right now. The moment that you're the subject of a criminal investigation because you're smiling in a photograph at a Republican Party gathering. Now you're subject to a criminal investigation. I think you might wake up then. But you know, Philly there, Philly Murphy, one of the dumbest men on the planet. Congratulations on that. He wins the Nobel Ignorance Prize. He himself, he's so scared of COVID. You know, he's a rigid COVID follower, right? He's rigid. He's so scared of COVID, he makes sure that he protects his family, that he protects himself. He follows all of his guidelines or profanity warning. Play it for me. Oh my God! It is. Hey, how you oh doing? Oh my God, Murphy! How you doing? Such a dick. You having you fun are. with your family in the meantime? You're oh, that's social distancing. Don't think so, Philly. Yeah, look at him on his night out. No, Matt. Now he starts reaching for his mask. Look at the hypocrite. Look at him. He's got his mask out now. Look at him. What a clown. Look at the girl, the, the girl to your far left. She'll start reaching for her stupid mask, too. Look at his family. Oh, he's really watching out for his family. They're all getting COVID, right? Oh, there comes the mask on the far left. There comes the hypocrites. There goes Philly. Look at Philly. Look at Philly. Freeze it, Aaron, if you can. Look at, freeze that. Oh. Look at him. Look at Phil. Oh, come on. You see, that's how a Democrat is. You can bring it back to me. That's how Democrats are. They're not scared of COVID. It's all about masking you. Controlling you, distancing you. That's all that it's about. They love it. They're totalitarians. You're like, why would anybody want to control somebody else's life? I have no idea. I don't have the energy to control anybody's life outside of my own. That's how I could never have an affair with another woman, ever. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to put that into another person. I don't I don't have it. I I barely have enough emotional energy to carry on the life that I have, but not these people. 
He's sitting at a table in a crammed restaurant, crammed next to his family, who he does not live with, violating all of his COVID laws and rules, and yet goes on and calls Matt Gates, the distinguished congressman from the north end of Florida, calls him Matt Putz. Explain to me the science, Aaron, if you can, I'd hate to ask you to do this. If you could throw up the picture of Matt and then throw up a, put, put the video back up of Philly. Yeah, there you go. You throw that up Sorry, there. Matt Tell Gates. me the difference. If you could free, there you go. Thank you. Tell me the difference between what he's doing, what Matt Gates is doing there, and what Phil Murphy just do the best you can, buddy. Just let the video flow, we'll, and we'll let it go. Put the Phil Murphy. There you go. Now tell me the difference between what Matt Gates did and what Phil's doing. Tell me the difference between what Matt Gates did and what Phil Murphy's doing in this video. All right, you can bring it back to me. Scientifically, all you mask people, who masks are saving lives. Explain to me the science. Explain to me the science of how that works. How does COVID flow with Matt Gates at a Republican function and doesn't touch Phil Murphy as he's jammed in with, with a bunch of other diners and his family that he doesn't live with? And, and somehow COVID, it's a really stupid thing for Matt Gates to do it, but for him to do it, it's perfectly fine. We know, we know the hypocrisy, though. You know, you got Gavin Newsom at a jam-packed dinner at the French Laundry, and then two days later, or the next night it may have been, London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco, does the exact same thing. All of these codes. The mayor of, of Austin, Texas, sends a video. I wish I would have played the video. I didn't even know there was a video. I just had a picture of it. He play, he, he's on a videotape. He videos himself giving his COVID warnings after he had flown to Cabo San Lucas with his own family that he doesn't live with, violating all of his COVID laws. Sends out a video and tells everybody else not to go to Thanksgiving while he flew to Cabo San Lucas with eight family members that he doesn't live with. That's your Democratic Party. They're lying fiends. They're they're demonic. They're absolutely hypocritically demonic. All right, Rudy Giuliani tweet. The Georgia middle, middle of the night theft of thousands of votes changed everything. Watch it. And Biden is not elect is not elect anything. Looks like Biden Democrats doing a bank heist. I wanted this back, this final line, well, the second to last line. In five states, get this now, in five states, there are 800, 800 sworn statements of eyewitnesses to Democratic cheating. Bring it back to me. Can you imagine if there was 800 affidavits signed by Democrats against Donald Trump in this election? What would be happening right now? And here's the thing. So Rudy Giuliani has eight, 800, 800 sworn affidavits alleging voter fraud that if you lie on that affidavit, you're guilty of perjury. He has 800 sworn in five states. So what's that? You know, 100, 150 plus per state signed, all right? How many counteracting affidavits do the Democrats have? Let me, let me add it up for you here. I'll put it on my sheet, on my notes for you. That's what the Democrats have. Zero. Of course, that looks more like an egg, but it's a zero. That's what Democrats have. Zero. Why? I wonder why they wouldn't be. Why, why wouldn't the poll foreman who knew that a Republican poll watcher is lying about how he handled things, why would he not come forward and say, you know what? That's a lie. That Republican's lying. I want to sign a countering affidavit that says that they're lying. Why won't they do that, I wonder? Why is there zero? Why are there zero Democrats coming out and saying that these affidavits are false? Why are they not signing affidavits saying that these affidavits are false? Why? 
because then they'd be committing perjury. That's why you see goose egg, zero. Not one of them, not one poll worker from the Democratic side has come out and said that these things are lies. Not one, have you noticed? Who's testified under oath? Uh, zero, absolute zero. All right, Eric Trump tweet. That's tough to say fast. Eric Trump tweet. Right, there you go, graph and security. Camp. Now that is right there, our infamous Fulton County polling center right after the water main break that never occurred. We all know it never occurred. There was never a work order. There was never water found anywhere, by the way. So that was an absolute lie. And how, again, if this was the Dem- if this had happened the reverse, if the Republicans had pulled this, this would be not only a national story, but a world story. Well, look at the spike. Looky, looky here. Look at the time. Lo and behold, isn't it funny how it all works out? A water main break, send all the Republicans out of the room, pull your suitcases and boxes of ballots out from underneath a covered table and start running them three plus times through machines. And look at the spike. Look at the normal. Look at the biggest spikes. Look at the largest spikes throughout the rest of the night and after. Nothing. And lo and behold, and look at the color too. When you look at the spikes, you can tell what's the primary color of them. Shall we? Let's look at it. See, like if you go down the line there, you'll see a primarily red spike, primarily blue spike, all those different things. All right, you see them, they're spiked. They'll show you, well, they're individual spikes. One's red, one's blue. Well, look at the spike at that moment. Look how high it went. What a surprise. This is all just a giant kawinky dinky, right? Look at it. The numbers do not lie. All right, Newsmax video. This is, again, switching back to the other prong of the two-pronged attack, COVID-19, slamming our businesses, closing all of our little businesses so the totalitarians like Amazon, Facebook, Google, and everybody else can control the planet. So you got to crush the little man first, put you on some sort of mandatory income every month that the government puts out. It's it's George Soros' dream culture for all of us. No, thank you. All right, Newsmax video, Chris Salcito. This talks about the Max, Max Public House on Staten Island, New York. Play it for me. Sadly, that once vibrant city is falling apart. It's millions of residents struggling to stay afloat. And people are getting fed up and are starting to fight back. The Chris Salcedo Show producer and special reporter Mike Carter takes us to a small business in Staten Island that's pushing back against the unfair restrictions. New York Sheriff's deputies sending a message Wednesday night blocking the entrance to Max Public House on Staten Island after owners there refused orders from Governor Andrew Cuomo to stop indoor dining. Staten Island is a serious problem. With COVID cases on the rise, the state is designating nearly half of Staten Island as a coronavirus orange zone, making indoor dining illegal. A final blow for many in New York's service industry already dealing with reduced capacity and a 10 p.m. curfew. I'm an only child, bro. I'm an only child with a small family business that has to close at 10 p.m. For what reason? We have one item on today's calendar. Last week, despite the state suspending Max Liquor license, co-owner Danny Presti believed the bar may have just found a lockdown loophole to stay open. Here's what we're going to do for everybody. We're going to give everything away for free. We just ask that you do make a donation towards us so that we can still pay our bills. But on Tuesday, sheriff's deputies arrested Presti, charging him with obstructing governmental administration. Lou Gelomino is the attorney for Max and argues the state crossed a line by targeting the bar. Literally. The dividing line is a block and a half away. 
Max Public House could not serve indoor dining or beer. But you can go a block away and have a hamburger or a beer and sit down and have and, and be absolutely fine. Some residents who live inside Staten Island's Orange Zone feel like they're being unfairly targeted by Cuomo due to the area's heavily conservative voting bloc. There is no question that Don Cuomo Leone knows exactly where the Trump voters are. The Trump voters are on the south shore of Staten Island. If you follow the Orange Zone map, it ties right in to the orange man's votes. Gellarmino says he's <laughs> confident that charges against Presti will be dropped, but worries about the tens of thousands of dollars in potential fines the bar faces for flouting Cuomo's executive orders. Meanwhile, some see the bar's battle as a warning sign for other small businesses across the country. And all you out there in America, if you're wondering, ooh, should I say that I saw somebody with a fraudulent vote? You better say it now because what you're seeing in New York is a preview of what's coming soon to a theater near you with these progressives in office. In Staten yeah, Island, Mike Carter. All right, so you have cases rising. Ooh, cases rising. It's just that is simply greasing the skids for the totalitarian progressives like Cuomo to come in and do what he loves. He loves it. I'd like to say something even more crude about it. It's what he loves. This is what Cuomo loves. He loves everybody fawning. Oh, Governor, will you please deem me to be essential? His little lines, his little orange this. All right, you know what? Move the orange line over another block, and we bequeath that you are now allowed to be open. They love this. The demon rat party loves this. You're like, I don't understand it. You're never going to understand it. Don't try to understand it. It's like trying to understand Satan, the father of lies. His native language is lying. Matthew, uh, John chapter 8, 44 and 45. So the cases are rising. All you got to do is this. Do the exact opposite, just like the Seinfeld episode out of New York where George Cassandra had discovered that everything he's been doing in life was wrong. So if I do the opposite, it must be right. Do the opposite of everything Cuomo's ever done and you will extinguish COVID. It'll just be another flu season as it really has always been. Do the opposite. Simply don't, here, don't send infected COVID patients into nursing home facilities. Just don't do that, and you'll save twelve to 15,000 lives that way. Just don't do that, and the city will be just fine. All right, next up, my favorite name on Twitter, Cat Turd. Cat Turd, do you, Cat Turd tweet, do you care about other people? Don't vote Democrat. This is from Amy Klobuchar. Look at the bottom. Do you care about other people? Wear a mask. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how this, how this works? Do you care about other people? Wear a mask. From somebody who is fully in support of 60 million babies per year worldwide, one to two million per year in the United States alone, worldwide being pulled piece by bloody piece out of their mother's wombs, out of their mother's birth canals, and being slaughtered after they're born, and having their organs harvested while they're still alive at Planned Parenthood. She's perfectly fine with that. And all of you Christians espouse her virtue. If you care about somebody, wear a mask. Think about that, Christian, and judge yourself according to the Bible, not according to what's between your ears. Because what's between your ears has led you to social distance, wear masks, and close your churches, which is absolutely antithetical to Scripture. All right, Carrie Kelman tweet. Oh, look, a USB, <laughs> a USB handoff. It's like a drug deal right in the middle of the Georgia election. Play it for me. There you go. Watch them close. Look at her. Look around. Look at her. Look all around. Is everything? Oh, we all in the clear here? Oh, I got it in my right hand. Got it in my right hand. Watch. Watch. 
Watch that hand. Watch that right hand. USB handoff. And there it goes. Right there. Right there from her hand to his. There you go. Oh, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here. Oh, yeah, Joe Biden won that state. If we had, listen, if we had a media, if we had legitimate media, this election would already be over. We would have done a, a re-election. All right, Breitbart News video from Twitter. Oh, and I forget something? Kyle, Kyle Becker tweet. Put that up there, buddy. Yeah, I don't want to forget that one. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff right here. I think I already, did I already go over it? Yeah, I already did these numbers. All right, you can, put it, you can go to the next thing. All right, Breitbart, uh, Breitbart News video from Twitter. Poll watcher abuse. Just just a couple seconds, well, about a minute or two, I'll let it run. Listen to this, play it for me. Republicans were not replaced. So when a Republican challenger was escorted out, they were not allowed to be replaced by another one. The only ones welcomed, welcomed in were the media, um, not, no challengers from our side. But the, I would say there was two separate systems. Um, there was our systems where we were ex, exceeded COVID capacity, fall in line, follow the rules, and then there was the COVID friendly capacity. welcoming Oh, you're you're the media. Come on in. Oh, who are you with? You're with them. Come on in. Another thing I also have to say is when the GOP people were getting escorted out with or without handcuffs, every poll worker and all Democrats stood and clapped like it was some kind of they all won a lottery ticket. And that is exactly when I decided I'm going to do this because that was heartbreaking because these people were doing a job, a volunteer job. They were not getting paid. They all were leaving their work to be here for their country to ensure election integrity. And they were treated like criminals, and that's not fair. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to try to understand what this was like when you, somebody tried to challenge a ballot. So you would say, I challenge a ballot. Then what would happen after that? What was a series of events? Even before the supervisor or the poll worker would respond to the challenge, the Democrats would just pounce and say, what are you challenging? And then when we try to give them what was the basis for challenge, like as I said, they had no clue because they were not trained. Their only training was to block the GOP people. So when we would say, this is what we are challenging, they'd be like, they're clueless, obviously. And then the poll workers, um, they would be hostile. And they're like, we're not going to stop what we're doing. If you have a problem, you go take it up with the supervisors. They were all in on it together, so nobody was go- going to listen to it. Not a single challenge was ever entered. There you go. That's in Michigan. Of course, the TCF Center in Detroit, where it was all stolen. Donald Trump blew Biden away in every area in Michigan, with the exception of a few cities where he always loses, but the only city that was a dramatic loss. Remember, the only cities where Joe Biden outperformed Hillary Clinton in every other city, every other city in the country, he underperformed Hillary Clinton. In the only cities, the five-pronged attack that he overperformed Hillary Clinton was Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Detroit, and Atlanta. That is it. And I'll bet you Maricopa County, probably Phoenix too. But just to make it simple, those five cities, that's it. He won. I mean, think about it. He won 17% of the counties in the country, Joe Biden. 17%, the lowest for ever any presidential campaign winner in history. 17%. 
He lost 83% of the counties, including 19 of 21 bellwether counties, the counties that always predict the winner. He lost 19 of 21 of those and still somehow won. Come on. I mean, there's absolutely no way. All right, uh, Rep. Paul Gozar tweet. Thank you, Arizona legislature, for doing the right thing for immediate release. Legislative leaders call for an audit. This is a forensic audit of Maricopa County, Phoenix, election software and equipment. That is what has to happen. The Republicans have to fight this fight. You cannot keep kicking it down the curve because you're afraid of being called a xenophobe or a racist or a conspiracy theorist. Who cares what a baby butcherer thinks? Who cares? What somebody thinks uh, that a man should be playing on a woman's soccer team. If you think a man should be playing on a woman's soccer team or a man should be in a woman's locker room, who cares what that perv thinks, right? Who cares? Do what needs to be done. I don't want to face the consequences. What consequences? They're going to call you names? You think they're going to vote for you anyway? I love the panderer bootlickers. Ankle grabbers like Mitt Romney and Ben Sass and sadly Marco Rubio. All of those that sit there and bootlick Democrats. What are you hoping someday Marco, Ben, Mittens, you think they're going to vote for you someday? <laughs> They've got you. You're, a, you. you're a useful idiot that they will use like the prostitute you are and throw you out of the car when they're done. Simple as that. Donald J. Donald Trump Jr. video. This is about the McCloskeys. It's a little bit lengthy, but gosh, you've got to see it. It's one of the most well-made videos I've ever seen. If you don't know about this case, we're gonna talk about it for five minutes. Play it for me. I'm Mark McCloskey. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Patty McCloskey. Mark and I have been married for 35 years. Patty and I met down in Dallas when we were both going to law school, and we've been married now since uh, 1985. We bought this house in 1988. We wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, we have got 32 years of our life our, our energy, our love in this house. We started hearing the mob come closer and closer and closer and the drum beats and the chanting and the screaming. And all of a sudden, all of Kings Highway from wall to wall, we're talking six lanes wide, but filled with people for as far south on Kings Highway as we can see, screaming, shouting, chanting, whose streets are streets, no justice, no peace, you can't stop the revolution. All of a sudden, the gate bursts open. One part gets pulled open, the other half gets folded down to the ground, and the people start rushing in. I genuinely thought that if I didn't take some action within moments, I'd end up like Captain Dorn or any of the other people in St. Louis whose buildings were destroyed and looted and burned to the ground. You know, a lot of stuff in here, including us, that I didn't feel like having burned up. I went in the house, I called 911. It just broke in the gates, they're coming at us. Mark had a Mossberg pump gun on the counter. I mean, he had set out guns, he had shotgun. set out fire extinguishers. <laughs> But I never thought that I'd have to touch one. I never thought. I wasn't going to touch a Mossberg pump gun. I thought, I know in this drawer right by the front desk, there's an exhibit gun there. I'll grab that. When it all happened, I said, this is the end. This is the end. My daughter had already fallen down on the ground out of fear. When I got the gun and I started toward the front door, she said, oh my God, both of my parents are going to die right now. She shows up on the grass in front of me, between me and the mom, waving this little Brico pistol over her head, which she knows doesn't work, okay, because it was a gun we had used in litigation that had been intentionally disabled, right? They saw me and started screaming things at me, death threats, and... And the crowd is still chanting 
and screaming and talking about wanting to murder us, burn down the house, even kill our dog. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. But, you know, by the same token, I wanted to pr protect my home, my life, my daughter, and my wife. I had every expectation of, of dying if I didn't fight the mob. I had every expectation of dying if I did. It never occurred to me in my life that we would ever have a mob of people that would feel so emboldened to come to people's homes where I would have to have a gun and they're going to take whatever you spent your 35 years on and they're going to ruin it. They're destroying it because they can. Patty and I have both now been charged with two felonies, okay? The three to 500 people that broke down our gate and came in here on June 28th, none of them are charged with anything, but they're prosecuting us for defending ourselves to say we're not going to take it. And if they're coming to our neighborhood and they're breaking through our gates, they're going to go through anybody's neighborhood and they have proclaimed they're going to do it. And you will stand up because your children are there and this is the heart of your family. And I know women can do this. I know they have it in them. I had it in me and so will you. When they came back that Friday, if we didn't have cover from the federal government, if we didn't have the backing by the White House, you'd be standing on a pile of cinders right now. There's no question about it. Without President Trump, we would not be here today. Anybody He's got so me? many more important things. All right, there you go. Charge, the people that were charged are the McCloskeys. <laughs> They're charged with two felonies, I believe two felonies each. Both of those people used to be Democrats. They learned the hard way. And this is the same thing with all you capitulating mask wearers. When they come and demand that you lose your income, just like that bar owner. I hate alcohol, too. I feel good. <laughs> they have the right to have a business. It's legal. I don't even like alcohol. I don't even like bars. But the thing is, they still have a right to, I'll still defend their right to be open because this is right here. This is America. This is America. But the McCloskeys were the ones criminally charged, the 500 people on their lawn, on their private property, the ones who broke down their gate, committed crimes to enter their property, have not been charged. Who's behind all this? You're like, well, it's just lousy people, lousy Americans. No, who's behind it are the globalists. No, Tom, that's conspiracy theory. That's just, you know, you had, you know you're, you're getting out there now. No, it's true. Who's prosecuting them for two felonies? Her name is Kim Gardner. Put up a picture. There she is. There's Kim Gardner. Who was her number one campaign donor? Number one campaign donor for Kim Gardner, district attorney, St. Louis, the one prosecuting the McCloskeys for what crime? You have to ask, it's like that with Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin, brought back on first degree, three counts of first degree murder. Have you seen the video? <laughs> There's no chance of it. No chance. And it's just like I needed to. And I am right now publicly repenting of ever saying that the, that Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. I said it. I did say it. I said it at least three times. I was wrong. George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose. If they want to hold them culpable civilly for his death, that's on the attorneys and with the, you know, the, the judges and whatever. But Derek Chauvin did not kill George Floyd. George Floyd killed George Floyd. Simple as that. But in this case right here, Kim Gardner, her number one campaign donor, is not an American. It's George Soros is her number one campaign donor. There's Georgie. Aaron, you're always the best. You come up with this picture like lightning. There you go. There's George. That's her number one. What would he have to do? He did this all over the country. The mayor, Right now, we're having all these problems in Atlanta, right? 
Fulton County, the water main break, the ballots coming from underneath the table. You see Ruby put the ballots through the same, put the same ballots through the machine at least three times. Oh, who's in charge of Atlanta? Oh, that would be Keisha Bottoms. Who's another Soros acolyte? Who set, who set uh, Jesse Smollett, Smollett, Jesse Smollett? Who set him free? Another George Soros acolyte, Kim Fox in Chicago set him free. He committed multiple felonies. Set free, no charges. That would be Kim Fox, who was her number one campaign donor, George Soros. All over the place like this. Philadelphia, district attorney in Philadelphia. Who was his number one campaign donor? Uh, that would be George Soros again. Yeah, that's the facts. So let's look at, let's, let's delve deep for at least two minutes into Kim Gardner. Here's an interesting video of a drug. Uh, this was a uh, high dollar drug arrest made in St. Louis that she comp- completely threw out. Let's look at why. Play it for me. First at six, more than a thousand pills of highly addictive opioids. That's what St. Louis police found after busting a confessed drug dealer along with $30,000 in cash. But you might be surprised to hear what happened after his arrest. Good evening, I'm Mike Bush. And I'm Ann Allred. The officer who made that drug bust says St. Louis prosecutors refused Kim Gardner. to even listen to him when he tried to present all of that evidence. And now the suspect... All right, Aaron, go right to the next one. Five on your side, investigative reporter Jacob Long. It's complete chance whether you're going to see justice in the city or not. On paper, it might seem like a slam dunk case. An officer busts a drug dealer who later confesses to selling prescription narcotics, an arrest that also nets more than a thousand opioid pills and more than 30 grand in cash. But what happened next, the St. Louis Police Union says, might shock you. I mean, we're in the middle of, of an opiate crisis where, where people are dying every day from opiate overdoses and uh, completely dismissive of, of that case. All right, On next Friday, to a less than two-minute conversation, neither the officer or the three investigators from the circuit attorney's office ever raise their voice, but the way everything ends is clear. The case won't even be considered, meaning no charges filed. What I'm saying is either you're going to take this paperwork back or you're not. Uh, that's the, that's the end of it. And you're either going to take it back or not. So you guys aren't going to review this case for liability like you're supposed to? No. Okay. All right. That's all I need. Thank you. All right. Afterward, the unprofessional. They're supposed to do their job, and so is Kim Gardner. And um, only one of those two things is happening. So we asked Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner about the video and the memo. Her explanation? That officer is blacklisted by her office, and for good reason. The mischaracterizations of this individual and the situation that the officer brought you to your attention, when we looked at the case, um, that is not even true. It's why Gardner says that officer is on her exclusion list with 28 other cops because of what she calls credibility issues. In fact, Gardner says the officer knew he wasn't even supposed to try and apply for charges. To have this officer handle it in the way that they handle it when time after time she sounds like a four-year-old communicated to their, their supervisors at that point i mean that's just taking matters in your own hands. all right next Aaron, four eight, last one her office is now reviewing that drug case and that's only because another officer from that same drug bust who's not on the exclusion list 
He came in afterward to apply for charges, an outcome that is sometimes possible in these drug cases, but a lot of times with them, that officer is the sole witness. Meantime, Kim Gardner, she is defending her office's initial response to the situation, and she's standing by that exclusion list. So right back to me. Never in the history of my law enforcement career, over 25 years and one day, and I, 1992 to 2017, have I ever heard of a prosecutor blacklist, blacklisting police? That infantile, she lives her life, Kim Gardner, as a 13-year-old petulant child. She can't even put together an educated-sounding sentence. She is way out of her element. This is a person that's deciding whether to take people's lives away or not. This is a person with, with, huge, with a huge amount of power who has charged the McCloskeys with two felonies. Name what they are. Name, I mean, I know there's names on them, but they would make they would not be applicable whatsoever to the video evidence and all other evidence that applies to this case. But you put Soros acolytes. See, folks, this we are in the midst of not just a economic ideological civil war. We are in the midst of an ideological economic world war against the globalists, the great reset against the World Economic Forum, the World Bank, Klaus Schwab, Prince Charles, George Soros, Bill Gates. They want to mask you, control you, and distance you. Do not let it happen. All right, Fred Lucas tweet. Here's old Maxine. Campaign paid her daughter $240,000. That's just this year, 2019-2020 election cycle. Uh, Federal Election Commission records show. There we go. There's another one. By the way, sadly, that's legal. Just like Ilhan Omar paid her own husband, who she had an affair with, broke up that marriage. I assume she, I don't know if she was still married to her brother or not at that point. But anyway, so she... Had an affair with this guy, broke up his marriage, and now pays him this this election cycle. She she raised six million dollars for her election, which is an extraordinary amount for such a small election, which she won easily. Come on, Minnesota, holy moly! But anyway, so she won that. What did she pay her husband? Out of the six million, he received two point three million dollars because you're allowed to do that. That's our campaign finance laws right now. That's what Bernie Sanders has been doing. That's why he's three house Bernie, three house socialist Bernie. Because his wife runs his ad buys. When you buy ads, you get 10% of whatever it is, that, whatever the dollar amount of the buy was. So if his, if his wife buys $10 million worth of ads, which they buy way more than that, she gets a million dollars out of it. That's why he's three house Bernie. If you're wondering how all these politicians who make between one and $300,000 a year are multi, multi-millionaires like uh, Nancy Pelosi, who repeatedly steers contracts towards her own husband. Why she's worth $70 million when she makes about $179,000 a year? Well, Speaker of the House may make more. You wonder why? Well, that's why. This is all legal, by the way. Sadly, but it's true. It's legal. And Republicans do it too, but not nearly like the Democrats do. All right, again, I wanted to put together, I've been putting together some oldies but goodies here to remind us all of why we fight. This is what we're fighting against. We're fighting against people who falsely Falsely espouse systemic racism. Play the video for me. I'm, I'm offended by the language of uprising applied to people who are breaking into other black people's stores and looting them. 
this is not this is a lack of values and people who people who are destroying private property destroying cop cars in an uprising against what exactly against the black police chief against a mostly minority police force against the black mayor against the black president against the black attorney general the idea that we're supposed to correlate your level of outrage with a certain level of justification in other words the more outraged you are and the more angry you are the more justified you must be is absolute nonsense how can you argue that racism is not a driving factor in income inequality because it has nothing to do with race and everything to do with culture and when you have a culture that doesn't and when and when it, you know what explain to me you explain to me why black kids aren't graduating high school explain that one to me explain to me why black kids are shooting each other in rates significantly higher than whites are shooting each other face. explain to me why 13% of the population is responsible for 50% of the murder explain to me why the why the number of blacks and black kids in prison, not for innocent reasons, not for walking down the street and getting pulled into a prison, is so high. Explain, if it has nothing to do with culture, explain to me why the single motherhood rate in the black community jumped from 20% to 70% in the same course of time that the civil rights movement has made such tremendous strides. Is America more racist now than it was in 1960? And if it is, please explain to me how that happened. Now you bring it back to me. Let's go, uh, matter of fact, Darren, let's go right to Larry Elder, talking to Dave Rubin. Play that one for me. Okay, tell me what you think the most systemic racist issue is. What is it? Well, I would say that because black people in most cases, in many cases, were descendants of slaves, that racism as, a, as an institution, that it just, a certain amount of it just exists. 2015? Give, give me the most blatant racist example you can come up with right now. Um, I think you could probably find evidence that, in general, cops, yeah, are, that, that cops are more willing to shoot if the uh, perpetrator is black What's your data? than white. What's your basis for saying that? Last year... The well, look, I know a lot of people would say, look what's going on in Chicago. I, I, I know what they would say. Yeah. I'm talking about what the facts are. 965 people were shot by cops last, last year and killed. 4% of them were white cops shooting unarmed blacks. In, in Chicago in 2011, 21 people were shot and killed by cops. Uh, in 2015, there were seven. Uh, in Chicago, which is a third black, a third white, and a third Hispanic, 70% of the homicides are black on black. Uh, about 40 per month, almost 500 uh, in the year, per year last year in Chicago, and 75% of them are unsolved. Where is the Black Lives Matter on that? The idea that a racist white cop uh, and shooting unarmed black people is a peril to black people is BS. It's yeah. complete and total BS. And, and the reason for these so-called activists saying this is the assumption that racism remains a major problem in America. The media, CNN, especially MSNBC, runs down whenever a black cop shoots somebody, uh, and, and it's a, some, some march on Washington. It's ridiculous. Uh, black people, half the homicides in this country are committed by and against black people. Last year, there were 14,000 homicides, I'm not talking about suicides, I'm talking about homicides. Mm -hmm. um, half of them were black, 96% of them black on black of that 7,000. Where's a black... black Black Lives Matter people on that. So that, there's where you would say that this is purely because of social justice. This Pure, is purely because, because of, they want ultimately for people to be angry enough to just keep voting Democrat. That's right. That, and that and where's right. where's the evidence of a lack of social justice? When a black uh, suspect is killed by, by a cop, believe me, the media's on it, people are watching it, uh, and uh, and justice will, will, for the most part, occur. In Baltimore, where Freddie Gray was killed. Uh, Freddie Gray died in a van. I shouldn't say was killed. Died in a van. Yeah. You have a city that's 45% uh, black. 
uh, city council is 100% Democrat. The majority of city council is black. The top cop at the time was, was black. The number two cop was black. The majority of the command staff is black. The, the mayor is black. Uh, the AG is black. Uh, and yet here we are talking about racism. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, yeah, back to me. They don't need any facts. Democrats don't need facts. Just pull it out of thin air. I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of you. You're like, no, nobody just makes things up out of thin air to push a narrative. That's exactly what they do. It's just made up out of thin air. There's absolutely no evidence of systemic racism in law enforcement. You're saying there's no race, there's no racist cops? Nobody ever said that. I said systemic racism in law enforcement. Of course, there's racist this, there's racist pastors, there's racist neurosurgeons, and there's racist cops. I get it. But there's no systemic racism in law enforcement. This is what we're fighting against, is their lies. You look at an ultrasound, and you see a human face, and you pull that baby out limb by bloody limb, and you lie to yourself and say, that's not a human being. That's the Democratic Party, and that's the globalist agenda. 60 million babies butchered every year. All right, Media, uh, Media Research Center tweet. Minneapolis is seeing a spike in crime after forcing huge cuts to the city's police department. <laughs> what, what a surprise. Democratic Party politics. You implement de- Democratic Party politics and you get a spike in crime after forcing huge cuts to the city's police department. Their answer to stop the rise in crime, cutting more, millions more from the police. Play the video for me. At a rally in a park in June, the Minneapolis City Council announced its intent to disband its police department. Uh, Ms. Bitter, we heard today uh, the same calls to defund the police. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I just stood with a total of nine members of the Minneapolis City Council, and we committed to dismantling policing as we know it in the city of Minneapolis. Cuts to the police department followed, which brought about the results that one might expect. But it all still managed to seemingly surprise the Minneapolis City Council. You know, we, we don't we don't need a report to know that crime is up. We don't need to know how the just the brazenness of crime um, in the 11th Ward is, has just gone up. Um, and people are really feeling that. The, the level of, of um, gun violence, um, drug dealing, intimidation, um, extortion, people are having to, to, to pay to get out of their alleys. I acknowledge that the, uh, the moment we're in right now um, the conditions for MPD are not very um, ripe for success. So last month they held public budget hearings where they heard from area residents. Bad budget cuts hurt good cops and a damaged and insufficient public safety institution will not be able to function. As you debate the budget for next year, consider the feelings and actions of one of the people you represent and I suspect many, many others like me, I don't feel safe in my own city. I don't go downtown to visit my brother or go to my favorite restaurants and breweries anymore, not because of COVID, but because I don't want to get mugged or carjacked. We need to pay the overtime to have our remaining officers take on extra shifts. And there are plenty of calls similar to the ones you heard. And one would think that some on the city council may have learned something from all this as they recently announced a new budget proposal. 
Three council members have released a new plan for the 2021 budget. It's called Safety for All. It is our duty to protect the people of Minneapolis and our There's current strong, public safety system fails right there. to do so. Ward 4's Philippe Cunningham says they'll offer their plan as a budget amendment this That's week. It would cut another $7.9 million dollars from the police budget in 2021, shifting the money to other areas of public <laughs> safety that might include a new 911 mental health crisis response for nonviolent calls. What folks have overwhelmingly asked for is for a response that is led by mental health professionals rather than law enforcement. Is that what you heard people asking for? Because I, I didn't quite hear it that way. I know there are not enough police out there and the criminals and the gangs know it too. Please don't get the police and please support our chief. The council members also propose an authorized force of 750 officers for future years, a 15% reduction from the current authorized total. What folks have overwhelmingly asked for is for a response that is led by mental health professionals. I do agree with this city council member on one thing. There does seem to be a need for some mental health professionals in Minneapolis. I'm Eric Schneider. <laughs> bring it back to me. All right, so what they have right now is nearly 200 officers in Minneapolis have applied to leave. Remember, this is a force of, I've got the number here, Seven. they're supposed to have 888 positions. Minneapolis is a big city, 888 positions. 200 of them have filed papers to leave. 200 of them. Seattle's the same way. Police Chief Madaria Ariadondo told the commission uh, told the commission the department has about 735 sworn officers 200 of them have put into leave, down from the city's budgeted uh, 888. So really, if all those officers leave, they'll have 535 out of 888. Homicides in Minneapolis are up 50%. This is a Democrat-controlled city, as always, with nearly 75 uh, people killed across the city so far this year. More than 500 people have been shot, the highest number in more than a decade, and twice as many as 2019. And that they do? They've already cut the budget by millions. Now they want to cut it more and send mental health care professionals on police calls. As somebody who has gone on multiple, I mean, thousands and thousands of police calls in my life, I can tell you that you do not send uh, unarmed mental health professionals to any call. You know what happens on police calls? Uh, they go bad sometimes. And matter of fact, you know what? They go bad a lot because why are they calling 911 or why are they calling even the non-emergency line to begin with? Because things are not going well. And there have been, in Minneapolis, more than 4,600 violent crimes, including hundreds of carjackings and robberies, a five-year high. All right, Philip Klein tweet. I think I already put this up, didn't I? Yep, that's good. Go to the next one, Aaron. Media Research Center tweet. There we go. The unemployment rate dipped. I want you to get these numbers to 6.7% in November, even with lockdowns going into effect. That's lower than at any point during Barack Obama's first term. All right, bring it back to me. So leave that up there so I can, don't forget the number. Thank you. So here's the thing. You, you dealt with a lockdown from basically March through now. They're locking back down again. And even with all that, Trump produces a 6.7% 6, unemployment rate after decimating the, the economy, really liberal governors, decimated the economy for 10 months. 
decimated, just destroyed the economy, 21 to 25% unemployment, and Trump's got it back to 6.7%, which is better than Obama or Biden did in eight years without COVID, without the ridiculous COVID response, because I don't want to blame COVID for doing what it didn't do. All right, next up, Donald J. Trump tweet. Oh, it's actually just a, just a video. Oh, this is from uh, One American News. Video on more election fraud. Play for me. Regularities. Backing up President Trump's warnings, Klein explains that the post office was rife with fraud and that many postal service workers were taking part in widespread illegal efforts to undermine the election. While the missing truck full of ballots is bad enough, other whistleblowers say they drove thousands of pre-filled ballots right over state lines, which is a federal crime. A subcontractor for the post office, Nathan Pease, said that he was told by two separate postal workers that the post office in Wisconsin had collected and backdated over 100,000 ballots on the morning after the election. Unsurprisingly, others also claimed the integrity of Dominion voting machines has been compromised and cannot be trusted. During a press conference in Arlington, Virginia on Tuesday, the project explained that election officials in blue jurisdictions have failed to maintain the ballot chain of custody, which leaves the door wide open for voting fraud. The project said it has photographic evidence of people improperly accessing voting machines and eyewitness accounts on how the seals on ballot hard drives were illegally tampered with and broken. Klein says that in total, there are over 300,000 fraudulent ballots in Arizona, 548,000 in Michigan, 204,000 in Georgia, and 121,000 in Pennsylvania. Based on this evidence, the FBI has reportedly requested to look at the project's data on voting integrity and potential election fraud. Everybody All right, from Camelot Castle tweet. Breaking Pennsylvania election lawsuit has been officially docketed. Get this at the U.S. Supreme Court. Good. Justice Alito has ordered the state to respond no later than December 9th. Big deal right there. Docketed with the United States Supreme Court, which is Giuliani and Jenna Ellis' strategy from the beginning. Get it before the Supreme Court. In my opinion, what will happen is the Supreme Court will throw it to Congress. Congress will elect Donald J. Trump as president to be sworn in January 20, 20th of 2021. All right, Kevin McCullough tweet. Good, e- good Friday morning. We have not found a president-elect yet, but you know how many bad votes we found, just like we just saw a minute ago. Pennsylvania, 600,000-plus ba- uh, fraudulent ballots. Georgia, 120 to 330,000. Michigan, 400,000. Wisconsin, 200,000. Nevada, 40 to 110,000. Arizona, 400,000. These are ballots that if you go by federal election law, they weren't supervised. They weren't signed correctly. They were, they were the person who mailed it in lives at a P.O. box, lives at the post office, an illegal address. Whatever the various possibilities are, they are illegal. It's blatantly illegal. All you have to do is go by the law, and all of them are thrown out. All right, Dave Rubin tweet. What is going on with these people? A perfect summation of this video. Play it for me. Joe Biden committed to ending and crushing the virus and having a Build a Better America initiative, Big Back Better, (laughs) a vaccine, answer to our prayers. (laughs) What? 
What does she even say? I have no idea. You know what the problem is? Is that all these people, first of all, Christians, if you look like Nancy Pelosi and you're wearing your designer mask, you're as stupid as she is. Second of all, I think that she's sucking in 20 to 30% less oxygen oxygen than, than she needs. And that's the white reason why she can't speak clearly. All right, Thomas Massey tweet. There, there are Congress folk who haven't been to work at the Capitol in over half a year. Democrats have been off for six months. Perfect. That's the Democratic Party. Absolutely. They want money for nothing, right? That's how it is. They're the welfare party. You know what? COVID works out perfectly for them. This is the year of a lifetime for them. They can sit on their thrones, stipulate what you can and cannot do while they don't go to work. Sounds like the teachers unions. Teachers unions the same way. We don't want to, we don't want to teach in person. We don't want to teach remotely, but we still want to get paid. Just like Nancy Pelosi and the rest of the Democrats who haven't been in Congress, haven't been on Capitol Hill for six months. Six months. Can you imagine be not having to show up for work for six months? How many paychecks are they missing as they're closing down everybody's businesses? And you, you realize what it means to have your business closed down? I mean, it's over. I want you see, we owe, a lot of people think money will always be coming in. They can make that where you have no, you're losing your home. You're losing your car. This is happening to millions of Americans. And yet there's Christians and there's conservatives. And of course, the Democrats sitting there going, that's what they should do. We'll do anything to save a life. You won't. If that happened to you, you would be the first one saying, okay, okay, okay. We need to end this COVID crap. Yeah, exactly. All right. Candace Owens tweet. Dr. Fauci is the director of NIAID, a part of NIH, National it was Infectious National Allergies and Infectious Disease. I forgot what the first I stands for. As part of the NIH, owns intellectual property. The NIH owns intellectual property used in the creation of Moderna's vaccine. So NIH, National Institutes of Health, has a financial interest in Moderna's vaccine. Gates, Gates Foundation gave a grant to Moderna in 2016, which allowed for funds up to $100 million to create an mRNA-based vaccine for infectious diseases. Fauci, of course, is on Bill and Melinda Gates' boards, board for vaccines. Oh, there's nothing insidious going on. It's not like Fauci would want to perpetuate this thing so that he would make money off of it, would he? Or that Bill and Melinda would make money off of it. We're like, are you sure? Are they, are they actually handing Fauci millions and millions of dollars? Who knows how it really works? But I know one thing, you end up with an awfully extravagant life being on these boards. And why would you not want to perpetuate it? By simply, do, all you got to do is lie. All you got to do is perpetuate the myth of COVID. All right, Dagan uh, McDowell tweet. Desolation. This is Grand Central Station in New York. There it is. Grand Central Station in New York. That's what it looks like right now. Can you imagine that? That's the middle of the day. Can you imagine? I, I should have put. I should have brought a picture of what it used to look like. That would have been even better. It would have been a, a good contrast. I mean, look at what that. Put it up there one more time. That's what Grand Central Station in New York City looks like. Man, that's sad. And people think it's fine. People think of all the businesses that are out of business. They're not out of business until the start of twenty. It's not going to all end at the start of twenty twenty one. They're out of business, 40%. 40% of American businesses are done and done permanently for a virus that has a 99.9 post-infection death rate. Oh, you're the man, buddy. Put that up there. 
There's what it's supposed to hey, Can you contrast them? I hate to do that to you. There you go. Do it again there a couple times. There you go. Post-COVID, pre-COVID. Post-COVID, pre-COVID. There you go. That's America. All right, from Red State. This is a video from Red State. Now, again, I go back or forth. If the cops are doing right and they're operating in a constitutional manner, I love the cops. Love them. I do. I was one. But when they're not, I say it. This cop right here, his name is Sheriff Chad Bianco in Riverside County, California, is doing things right. Look how he's responding to Gabby Newsom's totalitarian COVID orders. Play it for me. Get off to a slower start than I had pictured. <laughs> Hello. There we go. I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. We have all recently learned of the new regional approach to combating COVID-19 and the pending closure and stay-at-home orders from our governor. We were also told there was a potential he would be withholding federal and state funding from counties who did not enforce the orders. Ironically, it wasn't that long ago our same governor loudly and publicly argued how wrong it was for the President of the United States to withhold federal funding from states not complying with federal laws. The dictatorial attitude toward California residents while dining in luxury, traveling, keeping his business open, and sending his kids to in-person private schools is very telling about his attitude toward California residents, his feelings about the virus, and it is extremely hypocritical. These closures and stay-at-home orders are flat-out ridiculous. The metrics used for closures are unbelievably faulty and are not representative of true numbers and are disastrous for Riverside County. When the medical field is so split about this virus, it might be time to employ a little common sense. Keeping money and support from our hospitals, who are struggling with normal, seasonal increases in patients, coupled with COVID-19 patients, is irresponsible. It appears part of the new goal is to shift attention away from his and others' personal behavior with a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude by go. turning public opinion against California sheriffs. He is expecting us to arrest anyone violating these orders, cite them and take their money, close their businesses, make them stay in their homes, and take away their civil liberties, or he will punish all of us. I believe that all jobs are essential to someone. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. Bullies do. As has been our position from the beginning of this pandemic, the Sheriff's Department is asking and expecting Riverside County residents to act responsibly and do what they can to protect themselves and their family from contracting the virus. Wear your mask Don't and agree practice with them there. social distancing. While the Governor's Office and the state has threatened action against violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a safe and Happy New Year. All right, back to me. Now, with the exception of him telling you to wear a mask, I agree with the guy. Or social distancing, both of those I don't agree with. But other than that, I agree with the guy. No, I love what, how he called out Gavin Newsom. Let's make sure we understand where Gavi's at. As Gavi tells you that you're not allowed to do all of these things, I don't even want to name them, but all of these things. Remember, he dines in luxury at the French Laundry, maskless with no social distancing. 
but you're not allowed to do Thanksgiving, remember. He travels in luxury. I believe he just got back from Maui, along with many other state officials. His business, he owns a winery, I believe, has stayed open the entire time, and the entire time, his kids, well, I don't know about the entire time, but his kids are currently in school. So what's good for thee is not good for me, if you're Gavi Newsom. And that's how it is everywhere. All right, Rodney Howard Brown tweet. And Aaron's personal favorite for the night. Meanwhile, in California, all right, put up the big pick. There we go. Emperor Nero to Christians. You will be sentenced to death and fed to lions for worshiping God. The Christian responds, I will die as a martyr for the glory of God. Gavin Newsom and every other, this is for every other Christian too, no matter what state you're in. Gavin Newsom, you can go, you can't go to church or you will get a $5,000 fine. Christians, okay, thank you for keeping me safe. Pathetic. Pathetic for the body of Christ, the indwelled temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you say? Thank you for keeping me safe, Commissar. The Hill tweet. Listen, I got to put out what's good. You know, if Biden does something good, and I don't believe him, don't get me wrong. Don't send me a thousand messages that he's lying. Believe me, I know that's a, there's a high probability, but this is what he put out. Coronavirus vaccine should not be mandatory. There you go. He'll never be president anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Aaron, we're going to skip the uh, Sydney Powell uh, video and go to the next. Yeah, put that one up there. There you go. George Soros appoints Lord Malik Brown, the former president of Smartmatic, the software for Dominion, to lead the Open Society Foundation. What a coincidence in life. I mean, these coincidences just keep stacking up. The leader of the software that counted every major problem area in the country, the very uh, the company that uh, I don't know about installing, but the software that that Dominion uses called Smartmatic. Dominion is actually a front company for Smartmatic. Lord Malik Brown, who is the president of Smartmatic, has now taken on the position. Uh, what is it to lead? I guess he's just the overall, the, uh, the former president of smart to lead open society. I don't know what his title is. President of the open society foundation. Remember Lord Malik Brown out of London, England. Keep your eyes on London, England, Christopher Steele from England, Stephen Halper, the one who spied on Carter page, start Christopher Steele, the Steele dossier, London, England, pay close attention to them. Everyone talks China, China, China. Listen, China's horrible, but pay attention to England. Lord Malik Brown, former executive of the World Bank, chairman of Smartmatic, and used to be a Open Society board member, now is the Open Society president. He's the one that created the software that counted your votes in Georgia. (laughs) There we go. Oh, this is all conspiracy theory. This all this globalist nonsense, right? Conspiracy theory. Epic Times tweet. There we go. Melissa Cornet, a Dominion voting systems contractor who worked at Detroit CCF Center on Election Day, testified in Michigan that she witnessed at least 30,000 ballots being counted numerous times. Imagine 30,000 ballots counted 10 times over. That's 300,000 votes going to Joseph Biden once again. There we go. 
3385 South Access Road, Inglewood, Florida, Foundation Church, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, 11.15 tomorrow morning. You want a Bible-thumping church? Google me, see how far I am away. Join me tomorrow morning if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Go to the River Church in Tampa, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. Find out wherever Jonathan Shuttlesworth is. Go to these men. Go to them and watch them preach. They preach the gospel. That's what needs to be heard in this time. Listen, I love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Really, I really love you. I really do. Thank you so much for watching. Hopefully, I'll see you in church. Really, drive here tomorrow. Even a couple hours away. Drive here. Come. I'd love to meet you. Take a picture with you. Shake your hand. Hug you. I've never social distanced. But I love you guys. I really do. really appreciate you. And have a great rest of your night. In Jesus' name. Love you. Amen. Amen.